Alrighty, welcome back to Brojo Online. Today we're going to be talking about the concept of free will. This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity with Dan Munro. Now it's really fucking important that each person delves into the concept of free will before they go any further with their self-development or their life in general. Why? Because free will is what's behind blame, it's what's behind judgment, it's behind self-loathing, your struggles with willpower, the shame you have in yourself, the pride you have in yourself. All of these concepts require the belief that people are accountable in some conscious way for their decisions. You cannot judge other people as being a bad person if they couldn't have made any other choice, right? If they were a slave to something. They were forced to make their choice. You can't blame them for it. You know, and it's pretty hard to be hard on yourself if you knew that this was always the best you could possibly be. There was no better option available. You are exactly where you're supposed to be. No other choice was available. How could you be upset with yourself for where you're at if there was nowhere else to get to? How could you be ashamed of who you are if who you are isn't a choice? These are the questions that require free will, for you to feel shame of yourself, pride, all these sorts of things, for you to be angry at other people for why they do what they do, you have to believe in free will, basically. But what if free will doesn't exist? Now you may just have it in your head that of course it does, you feel like you make your decisions, you feel like other people make theirs, no further questions. But I'm, I'm asking you as a favour, to just take a moment, take this time out of your day, to reconsider it. Because if you're wrong, the whole world changes. So let's just make sure, if you're going to believe in free will, make sure you know it's real. Make sure that it's, uh, it's a good thing to believe in, that it makes sense. Because if it doesn't, if free will doesn't exist, how would that change your view of people who hurt you, or mistakes that you've made? or things you're ashamed of, or things you're proud of, how would that change if people are not accountable for their decisions? Not consciously. Because if free will doesn't exist, everything we know changes. So it'd better be fucking sure of it before you go any further. Now what really raised this question for me was when I worked with criminal offenders, as I've talked about all the time. But mostly was that, simply put, there are no surprising criminals. And what I mean by that is every time you come across a criminal, it's pretty fucking obvious why he's a criminal. It's pretty obvious that he was always going to be one, given his background and lifestyle. It's one of the first things I learned as a probation officer, there's really no such thing as a random criminal. There are people who surprise others with their crimes, but that's because most people don't see behind the scenes of the criminal justice system. They don't see the psychological reports and the background reports. Because I'm telling you, once you get to know a criminal really well, it's pretty obvious that they were always going to be one. Even a guy who just randomly, at the age of 40, murders his partner, after the psychological test, you'd see he was a ticking time bomb. He was always really high risk of committing a murder. It just finally happened. Now, nobody could see it in his life because nobody is a criminal psychologist assessing him. They're all conned by it. But in my experience, I met literally thousands of offenders and not one of them was surprising. Now, one of them like, had me scratching my head like, I don't get it, how could he have chosen to do this crime? 
They came from impoverished backgrounds. They hung out with other criminals. They had trauma from their childhood that gave them fucked up decision making. They were naturally violent from a violent background. They took lots of drugs. Now, I'm not saying people that have these factors always become criminals, but they're certainly higher risk. Okay, the science on that was just undeniable. Nobody commits a crime without a good reason. So this opened my mind. I'm like, well, why am I not seeing any random criminals? Why am I not seeing someone who just, for no reason at all, did something horrific? Why is it that every time we investigate, it turns out, oh yeah, of course he did that. He's that kind of person. It was bound to happen. Or the circumstances he's in, anybody would have done that. Or so on. Why were there no random ones? And this led me to start investigating my own behavior. When have I ever done anything that doesn't make sense for me? For who I am, for my upbringing, from from everything from my personality through to my circumstances, has there ever been a decision I made that doesn't make sense once you line it up with who I am? And it was a genuine question. There were some that didn't make much sense to me. But it just got me thinking about this whole free will thing that I had just assumed was true my entire life. I assumed that every decision I made was essentially a free choice, somehow independent of who I am and the influences around me. The whole criminal justice system is based on this premise. People are held to account for their crimes. Just like you hold a guy to account who cut you off in traffic and ruined your day, you say it was his fault that he did that, he is bad. We do that with criminal offenders. We put them in jail because we say they chose to do this. What's interesting is when somebody is mentally ill, we will say, no, they didn't have free choice. They couldn't have chosen because of their mental illness. And yet, where is the line there? If someone commits a crime because he's schizophrenic, how is that different from a guy committing a crime because he was raised in a gang? How is the influence different? How is there more free will in the guy in the gang than there is in the schizophrenic? These kind of questions are really uncomfortable to answer. They raise a lot of debate. Before we go into looking at what free will really is and whether it exists, we need to define it. Now, I've done some little research study on the internet to look at various definitions and I found four that kind of overlap but give you the different perspectives from the secular through to the biblical on what free will is. The first one which I really like, the idea that you could have chosen differently. So free will being described as you being if you were able to wind back the clock and go to a situation everything's the same, you've just gone back in time to that same situation You don't take your wisdom from the future with you. You just go back to being that person that somehow you could still choose differently. It wouldn't play out the same way. Because if you can't, then there's no free will. Uh, If you can't change a decision with the exact same circumstances going on, then there's no element of freedom. The second one, which is the more kind of dictionary definition, the power of acting without the constraint of necessity or fate, the ability to act at one's own discretion. So the idea that you can choose to act in a way that is unaffected by what you need or by the circumstances you're in, by the, the hand you've been dealt. That you can make decisions without being affected. A more simplistic one, which is more a colloquial version of, of free will, is I can do whatever I want. And we're going to look at that one in depth today. And then another one, my fourth one, or one of my favorites from Sam Harris is The idea that if we were to swap lives, you and I, particle for particle, a complete swap, that then I could somehow act differently to how you would usually act. That if I was you, 
I wouldn't make the same decisions that you make. That's free will. Implies the essence of a kind of a soul, a thing that is unbound by the world that makes our decisions. So once you just open it up for the first time, just ask yourself, what do I mean when I mean free will? You know, your own personal definition of it. Get it clear in your head as we go through this and see if it survives my analysis of it, my little exploration. Before we go into it, I want to acknowledge you may be very afraid to go into this. Because if we don't have free will, it changes everything. And for some people, they're afraid it will destroy the sense of being a human, being a free agent. But I promise this, this talk will end on a more positive note, okay? Because I don't believe we need free will to have a good life. I don't think we need that illusion to survive and to enjoy life, but we'll get there. Let's start by having a look at what free will is up against. The influences in our decision making. Number one, genetics. Genetics and personality. You were born with a certain brain, with a certain body, with your parents' DNA. So from the beginning, there is bias in your decision making from that alone. Whether you're phlegmatic or energetic, all these kinds of things that you're born with, your personality traits, whether you're extroverted or introverted, whether you're neurotic or agreeable, all of these things are going to play a role in your decision making. Secondly is influences. What happens next after you're born? The nurture part of nature and nurture. Education, the culture you're surrounded by, the parenting you receive, the peers that you grew up with and were influenced by, the media that you watched, even down to the food that you eat. All of these things have some influence on forming who you are, on changing the pathways in your brain, changing the structure of your body, giving you beliefs, perspectives, everything. I think it's beyond doubt to say that our beliefs have some influence on our decision making. Next would be experiences along the lines of influences. What happened to you? And how did you assess it? There were things that were traumatic. There are fond memories that you have. There's bonds that you formed. There's moments in time that stood out to you in a meaningful way. And there's the biases we have in our memory. There's certain things we recall easier than others. There's certain things that we recall with more emotion than others. And we recall these memories often right before making a decision, or right afterwards. And then lastly, of course, fate. Those in-the-moment situational variables. Mood, weather, other people's actions, the location you're in. Everything that's happening to you right here, right now. Affecting your comfort levels, affecting what you're thinking about, what you're feeling. All those elements in the universe you have zero control over. Everything outside of your skin. And even a lot of the stuff inside of your skin. Your health, your mood, your emotions. All of these things play an, a role in any moment of influencing in some way the decisions that you make. So let's go through, through these one by one and explain what free will would look like against these things. So how does genetics and free will come into conflict? Well, if we have a look at personality traits, someone with complete free will, if they were an introvert, they should be able to switch to being an extrovert instantaneously. There should be no barrier to that. With free will. If they were, for example, very disagreeable as a person, they could suddenly switch to being very agreeable with no influence, with no reason to switch, just by choice. A psychopath could suddenly become very empathetic if they wanted to, just choose to, randomly. Free will 
against genetics would mean that no matter what you're wired for, free will could make you choose to do something completely opposing to that. You know, someone who's neurotic could suddenly never worry again. They could just choose not to worry. And even more genetic factors, like I have a uh, cholesterol problem that gives me inflammation in my stomach, and I noticed I was in a bad mood for like a whole year, which turned out to be caused by the inflammation like uh, affecting my gut bacteria. You know, when that inflammation went down, my mood improved. So somebody who's influenced by a cholesterol problem could suddenly just make a decision that someone in a good mood would make, be completely unaffected by the bad mood caused by their genetic influences. So I want you to just think about it. That's what free will means. You know, if I can do whatever I want at any time, if I could choose different to, you know, unconstrained, if I could choose without anything about me changing or limiting my options, then my genetics should not have any effect. Influences. Someone raised in India being completely unaffected by Hinduism. Someone with a PhD being able to completely detach from academic thinking. Someone who's been conditioned to racism, being able to make completely colorblind decisions at will. That's what free will means. That whatever you're brought up with, whatever had a big impact on you, can be completely discarded when you make a decision. As if it never happened. And experiences. Imagine somebody who was sadistically raped, being able to take risks with dangerous men. Even though they really, really don't want to and they're heavily traumatized even by the sight of a man. They could suddenly just take a dangerous risk with a man. Somebody who has grew up with beautiful summers on the beach. Their favorite memories of being on the beach. And their worst memories of being stuck in the car. And then you present them with a decision. Go stick in a car or go to the beach. And they could choose being stuck in the car with free will. They would never, never be forced to choose the beach option. It would always be... a Equally viable option to go to the hot car. Somebody remembering clearly that another person hates their guts and tried to punch them in the face. Just putting that aside and trying to befriend them as if nothing happened. You know, free to just go put themselves in that dangerous situation. To ignore their memories and go, no, no, it's fine. We'll act like nothing's happened. To have that option available as if it's an equally viable option to all the others. This is what free will means. Free will means to be able to go against all these influences at any given time as you see fit. And those ones are bad enough, you know, like to hear all that and still think that free will exists is a pretty tough call. But what about when we get to fate? Fate being the situation you're in and everything about it that you can't control. They often, when people are debating free will, they often use that uh, discussion about choosing between chocolate and vanilla ice cream. You know, this idea like free will means no matter what you prefer, you could always choose either one equally. But what if if they're the only options available, how free is free will? If you really want mint ice cream, but there is no mint, and so you settle for vanilla, was that a free choice? Or did you simply move down a preset list of priorities? Did your brain already have a list that went mint, vanilla, chocolate, and because mint wasn't available, you went down to vanilla? Why are you even in the ice cream place in the first place? Can you say that you're free to choose whether to sit on a chair when the presence of the chair is fate? The fact that you're in a room that has a chair rather than a room that doesn't, you're unaffected by that? You can't choose to sit on a chair that doesn't exist, of course. But you should still have the option to think about sitting on a chair that doesn't exist, but you'll notice that if you're in a room with no chair... You don't suddenly have the decision come through to sit on a chair, do you? 
You can't choose to do something that's not possible, of course, but does it suddenly become an option simply because it's possible? Does seeing the chair suddenly influence you? Does seeing the chair have no influence on you? So whether or not you want it to stand or sit can be completely independent of a chair or how sore your feet are. That you can be really tired, really sore, standing all day, see a chair and not be influenced by the need to sit. Because that would be free will. But the real key point with fate is the introduction of the chair. What does it do to you? You know, Would you even notice the option of sitting if the chair wasn't made available to you? Here's a little test you can do. I want you to take a second after... I'm going to ask you a question and just take a few seconds to choose the answer. It doesn't matter what answer you choose. Don't overthink this. I want you to just choose an animal. You got one? Just choose any animal. Doesn't matter what animal you chose, just note the one you chose. And now notice how many animals you know of. Okay. It might be dozens, might be hundreds, it might even be thousands if you're particularly knowledgeable. But just sort of take a guess. How many animals do you know of? Do you know of a few dozen? You know? Think farmyard animals, insects, fish, birds. Think of all the different animals you've ever thought of and then go. How many of those animals did you consider before choosing the one after I prompted you? If you chose a tiger, did you think of every animal you've ever known before choosing the tiger? Or did tiger just kind of pop into your head? Or did maybe a few options pop into your head and then you seem to select one? If not all the options of all the animals you've ever thought of or known of, you know, if, if they weren't available to you at the time of making your choice, then were you really free to select any animal you know of? If your brain only gave you a few to choose from, how can you say you are free to choose any animal? Were you not limited? It's a terrifying fucking exercise, that one. Somebody first did it to me with cities, and I chose a city. And then the guy goes, how many cities do you know of? And as soon as he said that, I'm like, fuck, it's probably hundreds. If I sat down for a weekend and wrote them all out, it would be hundreds. But I didn't think of any. It just, the city name just popped into my head from some dark place in my brain. And he asked, well, how did I make that decision? Everything is done with a reason, it seems. But where does the reason come from? Why is it so often that the reason follows the action? Why is it that we're always backwards rationalizing what we did? We say, I did that because, rather than making that reason clear before we act. I'm not saying that never happens, but notice how often it happens. Like, if you go back to the animal you chose, notice how you told yourself why you chose the animal after you chose it. Right? You, you can do it right now. Explain to yourself why you chose the animal you chose. You might say, oh, I chose a tiger because I was watching David Attenborough last night and he did a thing on tigers. You tell yourself this reason, but that's not what came up before your choice, was it? The tiger just popped into your head. Sometimes it comes up before. You might be, oh, I chose a dog. I was thinking, oh, I love dogs, so I'm going to choose a dog. Fair enough. But how are you able to exclude so many other animals? And if I was to ask you this question multiple times throughout your life, would you always choose the same thing? Or would you have the full range of animals available every single time, unaffected by the fate of your situation? Where you're at right now, everything that affected you while you chose your animal. The best way to test that free will exists, unaffected by genetics, unaffected by your upbringing, influences, experiences, and fate, is to do something you 100% hate to do something you find completely abhorrent. Do something you've never, ever wanted to do 
and don't think you'll ever want to do. Free will should give you the option to do that. Like, eat your own feces. I'm going to have to give you a few examples here because some of the ones I'll say are things that people actually do want to do, but try voting for the person that you really don't want in power when you're really into politics. Try giving up your home to become homeless when you're really scared of being homeless. Try just falling face forward without putting your arms out. Try to do something you really, really, really don't want to do. Something you despise other people for. Go beat up an elderly person. Right? Go do something horrible. Because if you can't, then you have to question free will. Because free will says that option is available to you. But if you can't bring yourself to do it, then the option is not available to you. If you can never envisage taking that option, where is your freedom? How can you be free to choose an option that's not available? There's no freedom there. If you've got a choice between eating your own shit and eating an ice cream, and 100 times out of 100 you choose eating an ice cream, did you really have the freedom to choose the shit? Really? Because I'll tell you right now, go to your bathroom and try it. You won't be able to do it. And if any of you do, it's because you wanted to. So, the fact that fate presents us options immediately limits the freedom of choice. That much should be obvious. Your choice between standing up and sitting down depends on the ability to stand and sit. Right? Your choice between vanilla and chocolate ice cream means it must be vanilla and chocolate available. So fate automatically limits your options. If you really wanted mint ice cream and fate decides to not put mint ice cream in your path, you can't choose it. You can't choose something that's not available. So you've got to notice that there is at least some limitation of freedom of choice. So the question really becomes, not that we can choose anything we want at any given time, because we clearly can't. I can't choose to fly like a bird, okay? The option's just not available to me. Fate has decided I do not have wings, right? My genetics have prevented this from happening. But let's say free will. Let's moderate the definition of free will to being able to choose from what's available, so freedom of choice is with the available options, you could choose any of them equally. You're not doomed to pick any particular one. Right? Or even if you are influenced particularly in one way, you could counter that influence at will. You could choose what you don't want, for example, even when what you want is available. So let's say that free will simply means the ability to choose equally from known available options. But by now, this is probably already starting to sound a little bit shaky for you, I should hope, if you're a critical thinker. I had a look at this a lot, and I figured out there's essentially three types of choices. And for anybody listening, if I've missed something here, please let me know, because I can't think of any other type of choice here. The first is forced, which is basically no choice at all. Somebody makes you, or somebody or something makes you do something. Like uh, throwing up from drinking too much alcohol. I can't choose not to throw up. It's forced upon me. Or even to the point of, like, driving on the road rather than driving through buildings. My conditioning around the law is so strong that I just can't choose to not drive on the road. I'm forced by my conditioning. So there's a forced choice. The second type of choice is to choose something you want. So to choose based on desire. Options available to take the one that you feel most desire to take. And the third type of choice is random, where no desire is involved but you make a choice. Where you don't desire any of the options, you're not forced to do anything, but you choose one anyway. A seemingly random choice. Like I said, please let me know if there's any other type of choice that I seem to be missing. And let's cover these three, because free will has to exist somewhere in this decision making. 
You have to have either free will in a forced choice, free will in a choice around what you want, or free will in a random choice. Okay, for free will to exist, it must exist somewhere in the space. We can get the first one out of the way real quick, because a forced choice obviously isn't free will. Okay. Forced choice is when the options are limited to one. For example, throwing up when you're sick. You've got no choice but to throw up. So that's a forced choice. You can't decide anything. So you can't really say it's free will to choose something that you can't choose otherwise. A forced choice might also be where there's a few options, but you're forced to take one of these options regardless of what you do, and you don't want any of them. The example I came up in my head is like being sentenced to prison. You don't want to go to prison. You can choose between going calmly, or you can go kicking and screaming, but you don't want to go either way. You're forced to go to prison. So the choice to go to prison can be done in a variety of ways, a very limited variety, but you don't want to do any of them. You don't even want to be here. So you have some decision-making around how you go, but you can't choose not to go to prison once you've been sentenced. So a forced choice, I think it's safe to say that if we're going to look at free will, it's not going to be in the space of a forced choice. So let's have a look at want. I was watching guy, uh, Cosmic Skeptic, on YouTube, and he talked about try to enjoy or want something that you don't. Just try it. Try to want something you don't want. Try to enjoy something you don't enjoy. Try to have that freedom. So like, I hate tomatoes, for example. This would be me trying to want a tomato. I've got to tell you, I can't do it. There might be people out there stronger than me, but I, I could force myself to eat one, but I can't force myself to want to eat one. I can't force myself to enjoy something I don't enjoy either. Like if someone was to kick me in the face, I can't find a way to like that. I could let it happen. I could even ask someone to do it, though it would be very difficult for me to ask. But I couldn't make myself want it. So I want you to ask yourselves, is it possible to choose what you want? Because if not, then the concept of free will becomes pretty much impossible. Because if what you want ultimately decides your decision, and you can't choose what you want, if what you want is just something that occurs to you, comes from some place in the subconscious that you don't control, then there is no free will. Unless you have the option to choose what you don't want, when what you do want is freely available. To sacrifice what you want for something you don't want, even though there's nothing stopping you taking what you want. Now some people argue, well, I don't want to go to the gym, but I still go. Well, they're overlooking the fact that they want to be healthy. So you might not want to do what you're doing, but you want the result that's going to get you. So you are doing what you want, the, the means to the ends. So you can't say me going to the gym is something I don't want to do, because ultimately it is because you believe that will make you healthy and you do want health. It goes the other way. You might say, I don't want to be fat, but I do want to eat cake. So, well, there's your choice. If you eat cake, it means your want for eating cake was stronger than your want for health in that moment. Your instant gratification need was stronger than your desire for a long-term gain. And it's the same with going to the gym. You might want to feel comfortable right now in instant gratification, but your long-term desire to be healthy is even stronger. So even when you're doing something you don't want, it's because you want something. You're never really doing something you don't want. You're just doing something because you want something else even stronger, and this is how you get there. Try doing something that you're too scared to do. By definition, if you can do it, it's not too scary. But something you're terrified to do, something you think is impossible, just go do it right now as if it's nothing. Watch how hard that is to do. 
If you have free will, that shouldn't be hard. We often blame criminal offenders for not going and having a normal job and a normal life, you know, living a life of crime instead. But they are petrified, some of them, of that normal life, of not fitting into society. They're terrified of it. And you think that they should just be able to make that choice, despite that terror? Could you make the choice to suddenly join a gang and become a hardcore criminal just overnight like that, with no fear? Or even in spite of great fear, you could make that choice as if it's nothing? Because free will says you can. Free will, any definition you look at, it says you should be able to make that choice. It's available to you as available as any other. Because if it's not, if you're biased in any direction, then you're not really free, are you? You're being pushed by something. So if you're doing what you want, then you must be able to choose what you want for it to be free will. If you didn't choose what you want, and that affects your decisions, then it's not free will. You're essentially a slave to your wants. If I'm at the ice cream place and I choose chocolate because I want chocolate and don't want vanilla, that wasn't a choice of free will. Because I don't know how I came to prefer chocolate. I didn't choose that. I look at the ice cream and the want just occurs to me. I don't go, what am I going to want today, chocolate or vanilla? You know, I don't go hating tomatoes all my life, wake up and go, you know what, today I'm going to like tomatoes. I can't do it. I just can't. Just like you can't. Try it, try it. Just listen to the music you hate the most all week. Try it. Let's say you hate, like, yodeling. Maybe that's your least favorite type of music. Listen to yodeling all week and try to make yourself want it. See what happens. Free will essentially says that you should be able to choose something you don't want. Try to think of you having the choice between something you want, whether it's instant gratification or long-term gains, doesn't matter, you want something, and something you don't want, where there's no pleasure in it. Freely having both options available, do you think you could ever choose the worst one? So let's say for now, it's a pretty shaky case for wanting something to be unaffected by free will. But that's one you've really got to consider the most. That's the, the most likely one where free will could exist. So you can choose something you don't want over something you do want, despite both of them being available. Like, if someone says, here's a million dollars, no strings attached, or this big bucket of horse shit, your choice. Free will says that you could choose the big bucket of horse shit, okay? And that that option's equally available to you, that your influences, your brain, everything will not affect that decision. Try to choose the bucket of horseshit in that situation. Let me know how you go. The last one in terms of types of decision making is random. What I mean by this is, let's say someone asks you, like, where do you want to eat? And you just don't care or you don't know. And they're like, pizza, you know, Chinese food, McDonald's, you know, like, I don't know, whatever, Chinese. Let's just go with Chinese. That would be like what I call a random choice. You don't really have a particular preference. You don't really care. You can't think of... Any of the options being better than any of the others, but you got to kind of choose something. So there's a bit of forced in there, I guess. Or you just, you know those times where you just randomly do something? You might just suddenly, like, throw a piece of paper at your friend. You didn't really think it through, it just happened. Is there free will taking place there? Well, again, we come back to that example of you could have done differently. So for free will to be real, if we were to somehow wind back the clock... Go to the past and put you in that same moment again. No added wisdom. You're just that same person in that same moment. You should be able to choose differently in that moment with free will. All variables being the same. Nothing about the situation or you is different, but you'd randomly choose a different choice. 
No variables are different. Now, of course, the difficulty with this is that it's impossible to prove. There's something called the burden of proof, and, and that means that certain things must be available for something to be true. And one of those things, when you're making a claim, is that it must be falsifiable. It must be able to be tested. There must be a chance to prove it wrong, even if it's right. If a claim is not falsifiable, then it's not really a claim at all. Now, the problem with saying you could have acted differently is to say you can travel back in time, which we can't. As far as we know, based on physics and what's called the arrow of time, we cannot go backwards. Which means we cannot prove that particular definition of free will. We cannot prove that, given a random choice, you will choose differently. And the way it basically works is if we cannot prove something under any circumstances ever, then it doesn't exist. For something to exist, it must be falsifiable. You must be able to prove. Even if we don't have the tools to prove it, but we could prove it later, it still must be provable. And there is no way to go back in time. So the idea that you could make a different decision in the past is unprovable and therefore false. You can't. And this is where neuroscience comes in. The latest in neuroscience, and I'll cite some of the studies below, shows overwhelming evidence that decisions can be predicted when the brain is being scanned in a certain way. Prior to conscious awareness. So what this means is someone can hook you up to a machine and you decide when to push a button. You look at the clock and you decide the time that you're going to push the button. You push the button at that time. What the researcher will be able to do from looking at the scans, once it gets to know your brain, is be able to tell you when you're going to push the button before you know when you're going to push the button. They can essentially, up to 10 minutes, predict your future decision and you don't even know you're going to make a decision yet. Now, this doesn't prove everything, okay? This is still a fairly new science. It doesn't say that all decisions work like this. It's just in the controlled experimental environment where this happens but it does raise a question if something's really random and yet we can predict it before you're aware it's going to happen how random is it because what we're really talking about there is determinism we've got enough information to look ahead to the near future and tell you where you're going to go it's like being able to predict that the rain is going to keep raining for the next 10 seconds we can't say it's going to keep raining tomorrow there's too many variables involved but we know enough about rain that if it's pissing down right now and the whole cloud, you know, the whole sky is grey, it's going to keep raining. And that's essentially how decision making works according to neuroscience. Everything is building up a momentum towards your next decision. You're kind of being dragged along to it. By the time you get to the actual moment of making a decision, it's really out of your hands at this point. Now we feel like we make decisions, and this is why people get so upset about con contradictions of free will. We feel like, no, I, I can feel myself making the decision. I saw me do it. I saw me look at the options. I saw me choose. The trouble is feeling like you make a decision isn't proof of anything. We feel like magic is real when we're watching the show, but it's not. It's just sleight of hand. It's illusions. We feel like we're standing still, and yet the earth is moving at an incredible rate. So we feel like we're still, but we're actually racing along through space. We often feel certain about something, 100% certain. And then we find out that we're wrong later. We've all been through this. So us feeling something is clearly not evidence of anything. It's certainly not certain proof. And when you look at the concept of backward rationalization, that little story you tell yourself after you witness yourself make a decision, you can see where this feeling comes from. 
We're so used to explaining our decisions to ourselves, it starts to feel like we make them, because we think we understand them. What about those times where you do something and you can't understand it? You ever had that? I've done things so randomly once where I'm like, why did I do that? Especially awful things where I've hurt somebody or done something I really disagree with or done something that really just like makes life hard for myself. I've just gone, why? Why did I do that? I didn't need to. I didn't even want to. just kind of did it. Where was my free will in those moments? And why is it that I can't explain something to myself if I make my own decisions? How can I not understand something that I create? And just because I think I do understand something doesn't mean I'm right. I mean, anybody who's done self-development would have figured out at some point they made decisions for one reason only to discover later there's deeper, darker reasons for that decision. I certainly did that. I used to people-please because I thought I cared about people, only later to discover that it's more likely because I was desperate for approval. I didn't realize that at the time. So was I really sure of my reasons? And if I'm not sure of my reasons, then did I create the decision? How could I not understand something I create? And if I don't understand it, was it really freely chosen? It's like signing up for something without reading the fine print, or even the contract at all. Just stop for a second, why do we even believe in free will, when half the time we don't even know what we're going to do until it happens? Think about how many times you've surprised yourself, both positively and negatively, with your reaction to a situation. How you reacted better than you thought you might, or worse than you thought you did. How does that line up with the concept of free will? How does free will line up with this concept we often feel like victims to our lives? From things as simple as feeling like we have to walk on the footpath, to not being able to leave your job because you've got to support your family. Where's the freedom there? Eating when you're hungry. You don't feel influenced? You don't feel forced? By something? And we can clearly see everyone else's decisions are affected by their circumstances and their personality and the options available and their upbringing and everything. We can clearly see the conservative Christians acting like conservative Christians, and we can see the racists being racist. You know, we can see the obese overeating. We can see why they make their decisions, and it's certainly not free will. And yet then we turn this off. We look at some criminal committing a crime and go, well, he chose to do it. As if his being raised in a gang and on drugs and neglected by his family had nothing to do with it, right? It's lunacy to believe in free will and yet we cling to it like it's like it's needed why well it's very simple we're terrified of it not being true aren't we we're terrified of that concept of not being in control of our own decisions but we don't need to be scared i don't believe in free will at all and yet i thoroughly enjoy my life i genuinely don't believe in free will I watch myself doing this podcast right now, kind of knowing that I'm, I'm an observer. I, I was always going to do this podcast, or at least I was in the very short time before it happens. That, that decision was made for me. It would take fate to intervene. This podcast was bound to happen. I, I'm here to witness myself as my life unfolds. I'm not choosing to do this podcast consciously. But some part of me is choosing it. I'm just watching that part make a decision. And that's one of the reasons I'm not scared is because there's a difference between free will and agency. I might not consciously decide, but it is my brain making decisions. Now my brain's heavily affected by everything around me, but that almost seems like a universal decision. There's something beautiful and connected in that. That essentially the whole world has come together to help me make this podcast. Every person I've ever spoken to about free will has had an impact on this podcast. Everybody's ever encouraged me to do what I want for a living 
has led me to making podcasts. Every conversation I've ever had with any fucking person ever has somehow contributed to my ideas being spoken right now. It's like everyone in my life has put this podcast together. Not to mention the culture I was raised in, the country I was born in, the temperature that is in this room right now is having some sort of impact. Why is that something to be scared of? Why is it scary to be part of something massive and amazing? I think it would be more scary to be alone. Free will is very lonely. The idea that you're on your own making decisions with no influence? God, that's ludicrous. I don't understand how anyone believes in free will. I just can't. How can you make a decision without being influenced? I, I just don't get it. But the next thing is this idea like free will, if it doesn't exist, then what's the point of being conscious? And that is, I mean, scientifically speaking, that's not a question that's been answered yet. We don't understand consciousness properly yet. Whatever AI overlords are listening to this in the future can maybe figure it out. But I've come to see consciousness through a certain frame that helps me accept the absence of free will. Which is, consciousness does seem to serve a purpose. I'm not sure exactly what it is. But for one thing, it's a place to observe. There's this mind's eye, you might call the observer or the observing self. There's a thing that watches my whole life unfold. It's not the thing looking out from behind my eyes, but it's the thing listening to my voice as I speak right now, watching me talk, without deciding what I'm going to say. There's some other part of me is deciding what I'm going to say next. It's really bizarre to do this, by the way, as I'm doing it right now. Right now, I literally don't know which words are going to come out of my mouth, and some part of my brain is making those words and putting them out of my mouth, and another part of my brain is watching me do this. It's fucking weird. I'm getting all freaked out. But anyway, the idea is somebody's, somebody's watching. There's an observer here overseeing things. And there seems to be a committee that, that meets often, especially around sort of, would say, more deliberate decisions. You know, when I have to decide whether or not to be honest with my girlfriend about that thing I did that's going to piss her off, I can feel this committee get together in my brain. I get to observe them. My values say one thing. My fears say another thing. My emotions want this. My reptile brain seems to want that. Another part of me is going like, when are we going to eat lunch? And just won't shut up, even though he wasn't invited to the meeting. It's cool to kind of watch that. And I get a sense that while I might not be consciously aware of how decisions are made, there seems to be a team that is on top of this. So I get a sense that, you know... Whatever that conscious part of me is, this observer, he, he playing, he's playing some role in this. He might even just be the witness that provides the information. You know, there's, there's this part of me that watches me as I make my decisions. And through that, my brain's able to receive feedback on what it's doing. I kind of see my brain as being this blind thing. It makes these decisions and it relies on my conscious awareness to give feedback on what happened with those decisions. And maybe there is some agency in there. Maybe I can't choose my decisions. But I can be sure to focus this observing eye in order to ensure my brain gets the best possible feedback. You see, no free will doesn't mean fatalism. It doesn't mean everything's been mapped out for eternity. Because the future's not predictable. There's, we can't know reactions until they've occurred. Time, The arrow of time is going forward. We're writing this as we go. Just because we're not consciously making decisions doesn't mean that this is predetermined all the way to the end of the world. The way you observe yourself will have an influence on your decisions, and I'd argue that that is the most influential on your decision making. I can watch what I do, 
and I can decide to ignore it, or focus on it. The observer seems to have this ability to shift focus, and I can wire myself to focus in a way that helps me, to ensure that my brain is working with the best possible examination of evidence for its decision making. My brain's like a computer, I have to give it the right data for me to have a good life. So I'm not really a spectator as much as I am an advisor, like a consigliere. I'm giving myself commentary on what I observe. The commentary is noted and taken into consideration for decisions, so I might notice that eating ice cream made me feel guilty. Rather than ignoring the guilt, I'll kind of focus on it, notice it. So my brain kind of can register, you know, we don't feel too good about eating all this ice cream. Maybe we should fucking do something about it. And then I'll be able to see next time if that had any effect on my decisions. Was I able to resist the ice cream next time? Did focusing on the guilt help me with that? You know, some people say, I really want a girlfriend or something, but they refuse to meet new people. Well, there's a conflict there. Have a look at that conflict. You can't have a partner and not meet new people. You've got to choose between those two. You've got to observe that there's something faulty about this decision making. Just observe it. How can I want two things that don't line up with each other? Come on, brain. Choose. Which one do you really want? People say, I value freedom, and yet they work on an an impressive job for some dickhead. Well, observe that. Is that the best possible way to live? You cool with that decision? Should your brain be patting itself on the back for that call? Or something off there? See, I look at conscious awareness as a space where the question why is asked after decisions are made and implemented. Why did I do that? Why do I seem to want that thing and not want that thing? Why do I avoid this and chase that? Why, why, why? Throwing it back in my brain, like, why the fuck did you do that? Huh? Does that line up with what we're trying to achieve here? Is that good for us? Now this is about where I'm at in terms of my exploration into free will and consciousness. I don't believe in free will, but I'm still not entirely sure on the role of consciousness. What I do know is that by observing my life carefully, I've noticed my decision-making improving. Whether consciously or subconsciously, I'm trying to help myself make better decisions. I journal. I check with myself. I ask for feedback from others. I don't know if I'm choosing to do this in any sort of conscious way, but it's happening. And it works for me. So I observe that it works for me, encouraging my brain to do more of it. Let's let this conversation continue. You can give me your feedback. But if you do think of free will as an illusion, as I do, start asking yourself these questions. Why do we punish criminal offenders when statistics show that this increases their risk of offending if they're not free to make that choice to commit a crime? Why do we blame people individually and hold them account for their actions when everything in their life had a part to play, including ourselves? Why do we focus so much on discipline if willpower is out of our control? Why not focus on making good decisions easier to make, rather than challenging ourselves to make difficult decisions? Questions to be answered. I'm keen to hear your answers. Keen to hear your feedback. Get in touch, dan at brojo.co.nz. Of course, I'm here to help if any of this brought up some (laughs) terrible realizations for you, like it did for me when I first freaked the fuck out and I thought about it. But I'm glad I did, because there's like no blame or shame in my life anymore. When somebody does something that hurts me, I know that they really didn't have any choice but to do that. And me being hurt is also something I can't blame myself for. 
I'm just wired to be hurt by that certain thing. But I can observe the whole situation and give my brain the best possible chance to do something good with that information. I'll see you all next time. <laughs>